Hello, welcome back to the Unboxable, Unstoppable podcast. I'm Elena Turley. This podcast is brought to you by the Lion Life Academy. It is a pathway, a roadmap for women who feel lost to find their way back to themselves and their higher aspirations through purpose, mastery and custodianship. So I'm excited to announce that because I haven't been able to put that into one line before, something I've been working on and I'm building it and building it. It's very exciting. And it's the way that I've been coming back to my purpose and mastery and custodianship. And one of the reasons that I started this podcast was to discuss that and share it and discuss it with other women who are doing the same and men, sometimes men as well, other people who are doing the same. Um, I'm slightly red in the face. I'm just having a look because I just had a massage. So classic example of a woman doing the things she needs to do to be a better custodian of her body is um, making sure that you do the things your body needs. My body needs a massage once a month. I've got some crazy neck stuff. And what I find is that that massage really makes difference for me. So I put aside a little bit of money every week and make sure it's covered by my healthcare. And I'm very privileged to say that I managed to do something like that, a big treatment type thing. Once a month, often a massage. This month, a massage with the lovely Tucker down the road from my house. Fantastic. Craniosacral and a bit of Reiki and, oh, he's awesome. Anyway, I'm digressing as usual. It is World Breastfeeding Week. Woohoo! Favourite week of mine. Now, first of all, big disclaimer. I am not saying breastfeeding is the only way to feed your child. I am not saying breastfeeding is the best way for everybody to feed their child. Absolutely not. Everybody must do what works for them. But the theme of Australian breastfeeding, uh, World Breastfeeding Week, is protect. And it's basically about the way that we all have a responsibility to protect breastfeeding. And that includes people who are not breastfeeding. And that includes people who are not parents. The way that we respond, the way that we convey messages around breastfeeding in the media in popular media in popular culture it's all very important and um, there's been some fantastic stuff recently in the media from the beautiful wife of ice tea her name's coco she's been doing like um full-term breastfeeding in other words she's been doing natural term breastfeeding which means that her toddler still breastfeeds and she's been really public with it and posting pictures of it and in america that's very brave because it's not commonly accepted in American popular culture so that's incredible to see I really I've been loving it and more power to her I love that um I'm like I said I'm not going to judge a person for the way they feed their baby quite the opposite I believe it's a choice that we all make but I do believe that the evidence supports breastfeeding being the optimal choice not the only or best for everyone but the optimal optimal for mother and baby now the reasons for that are and this is going to be a cursory layman's explanation of my understanding of the reasons. I am not a breastfeeding consultant. I am not a La Leche League volunteer. They are a worldwide network of UN-mandated volunteers that help people all over the world with breastfeeding, support groups and phone support and incredible people. So my understanding, breast milk is one of the most adaptive substances known to us. So it has this incredible ability to change according to the needs of mother and baby, mostly baby. That makes it a unique substance in the life of a mother and baby. It also is something that um, has a lot of side benefits. So 
the act of breastfeeding itself means that you are in contact, physical contact with your baby. It also means you are sitting still. For the most part, you can breastfeed while walking or baby carrying. I've done it. But for the most part, it means you're stopping. You're making a quiet space or a moment to connect with your baby and to rest. It also means you're prioritizing your own health. When you breastfeed, like you literally cannot get dehydrated. You won't you won't survive dehydration. You'll know straight away. Plus your milk will be affected. So you get an instant biofeedback. Your baby will probably be less satisfied if you're not healthy and your breast milk is not at its optimal state. The baby will probably let you know that. And that that's an incredible biofeedback process. So you have this ability. It also hopefully means if you're breastfeeding, you hopefully will be cared for by those around you. So if you see a woman breastfeeding, anyone, go up to them. Say, do you need anything? Do you need a glass of water? That's my favourite question. Anywhere, open in public. Say, good for you, do you need a glass of water? Normalise it. Make them feel comfortable. Make them feel welcome. If you see someone not being made to feel welcome, please advocate for them. This is a story that recently went around on one of the breastfeeding forums that I'm in about a woman who was at a big retailer, big hardware retailer, and was told not to sit on the display furniture, despite the fact that customers all around her were sitting on the display furniture. She was told she was not allowed to sit and breastfeed on that furniture and had to sit on the cold concrete floor and watched all these other people sitting down on the furniture while they waited for their husbands and wives and completely sit there undisturbed by the same customer service person and I thought that was an abominable story and one that's really common so unfortunately less and less common which is great but unfortunately there is still a lot of misunderstanding and in the medical profession so um, again very sadly uh, medical professions professionals may be woefully inadequately supported to offer out the best avenues for support to a new mother. So the biggest one for me is the La Leche League, which is UN mandated voluntary support all over the world. There's one in my local area where I lived in Bath. There was an incredible, in England, incredibly active group. Shout out to Bath La Leche League. What an amazing group of people. And what I loved about it was they had regular groups. They had toddler breastfeeding groups. So that was normalized for me. Um, which had, it had never been before. I must say I was one of those people that thought it was a little bit weird if you had a toddler breastfeeding or a four-year-old breastfeeding. I didn't understand what it meant. I now understand that it can mean a dance between mother and child. It can be a beautiful way for a child to remain close and comforted with their parent. And there is nutritional value. There is still nutritional value in milk, even in later term breastfeeding. And it's silly to assume there isn't. Of course there is. It's the same processes when they're born so I would say um, have a look into the evidence have a try and understand why someone might do that really take a moment to walk in their shoes rather than just judge it without informing yourself first so that's one thing I will say is very important so international world breastfeeding week optimally a baby will feed within the first hour of birth now, there's a few things that need to happen for that to occur. There needs to be an understanding by the people around the person having the birth. Now, if it's a home birth, that's more likely to be totally common. If it's a hospital birth, it depends where you are. If it's a cesarean, again, depends where you are, if that's possible or not. I would say that in an optimal situation, all other things being equal, a baby placed on the chest of the mother still connected by the placenta, 
umbilical cord, is able to find its way naturally like a little creature to the boob. It's incredible. If you've ever seen the boob crawl, the breast crawl, it's a phenomenal thing to watch. A newborn baby who does not have control of its limbs, doesn't even know where it is, will find its way to the boob through just natural instinct and smell and perception. Who knows? It's a mystery, but it's beautiful. Seek it out. Have a watch of the video. It's the most incredible thing to watch. Tiny little newborn crawling to the boob and sometimes latching on often latching on naturally without intervention. Remarkable. So I would say the more that can be allowed, the better. Feeding up to and beyond one. So World Health recommend World Health Organization recommends up to two for a lot of reasons um, and not stopped at two, up to or beyond two. And the reason for that is that babies and mothers gain a lot. Another thing that comes into this is attitudes around sleep. So I did not understand the way that sleep and milk play in together. I did not understand that sleep training or cried out methods can affect milk production. Of course they can. It's obvious when you think about it. If you're not breastfeeding for 12 hours, if you've trained a baby to sleep for 12 hours and then that baby um, doesn't wake or rather probably what's happening is the baby is waking but you've trained them not to call out for you because you won't come. That's what the evidence says. If monitors monitoring of babies and studies around baby sleep um, are anything to go by babies still wake babies naturally wake frequently during the night it's a evolutionary survival method so they wake to make sure they're safe and all that happens when you teach a baby to sleep for 12 hours a night is you teach them not to cry out you teach them if they cry out you will not come or if you come you will not pick them up um, i now know that for me it was better to bed share and co-sleep safely using the safe seven you can look it up if you like um, incredible people doing work in this area someone called the possum clinic in queensland in australia fantastic work have a look at their website possum clinic queensland australia so here we are we're talking about sleep affecting breastfeeding because if you do not feed during the night your milk supply is affected we're talking about professionals around birth and around early baby, young baby care and young mother and early mother care. So early baby care and early mother. But young babies, like just born babies and their mothers and the care that they get from their support systems has a massive effect. And a lot of those support systems, especially in Australia, are not educated or well-connected with support. Often GPs will not know about the La Leche League, a free network of support worldwide, probably having groups in your area. Look it up, La Leche League. That's L-E-C-H-E. I'll put all these in the show notes anyway. The other thing that's really important is the well-being of a mother when they have a baby. So the well-being of a mother has... Now, my personal story is that my second child, um, I had a shocker of a pregnancy with gestational diabetes and indigestion that was so bad I had to sit up whilst um, sleeping. I couldn't sleep lying down. It was atrocious. And so I was already depleted by the time I had my daughter had a pretty good birth, pretty amazing hospital birth, just a little bit of forceps and vontus at the end, but barely any. It was a four-hour birth, relatively natural. Unfortunately, I still hadn't learned not to birth on my back. Um, that was until my third that I worked that one out. Line your side, then your pelvis can open. Anyway, um, so it was a pretty good birth, and she came out. She was perfectly healthy. Um, and then I was given some really incorrect advice. I was given the advice at the time, um, and reiterated as well to feed one side only every feed. So what that means is your milk doesn't really produce enough because you, you don't feed both sides each feed. So 
So what that means is that I didn't have enough milk coming in, plus I was super depleted, so that probably played a part as well. And I didn't really have the headspace or the nous to find the right information or the access. And access to support is a huge issue when it comes to breastfeeding. So there I was, unsupported on my own. You know, the midwife came day four and that was kind of the end of it. I think I made one appointment to get everything checked out with the latch, which means how the baby is sucking on the boob. And, um, you know, I just didn't have the support I needed. And I was so thoroughly depleted that by the age of four months, she was starving. I didn't know. She was waking every hour. I was completely exhausted. Again, not postnatal depression because I wasn't chemically depressed. There's a difference. I was depleted, but again, didn't have that language at the time. So we hired somebody to come and help us with her sleep. And that woman was a very conventional conventionally trained ex-midwife um, and she essentially and I love midwives don't let me say don't let me sound like I'm beating up on midwives I'm not I think midwives are the most remarkable people I just think that some conventionally trained midwives have a limited understanding around breastfeeding not many but some and um, she was one of those and so she said let's train this baby to sleep 12 hours a night so that's what we did and we did this kind of modified cry it out thing and I didn't understand that that my darling daughter was waking and just not calling out for us, that that's basically what we trained her to do. So she slept 12 hours. We went travelling overseas for about a month when she was five months old and everywhere we went, we blacked out the cot or the space and we and we made sure that she went to bed at the same time and everything and her sleep was maintained and my milk was gone. There was barely any there because it wasn't feeding for 12 hours of the day, you know, for night. So anyway, by the time she was 10 months, breastfeeding was done. And I was a bit sad about that. It was, um, I, I mean, I, need, I needed it and we've all got to do what's right for us. So I forgive myself, but um, it's tough when I look at the story I had with my third child, which was in Bath with multiple groups. And I was 44. I'd had an incredible pregnancy, an incredible birth, amazing birth, which you can read about on the blog, soulmamahub.com. And um, it was an amazing birth where the, the midwife in the room actually went and got the head midwife and said, come and look at this woman. She's doing it how you're meant to do it, you know, which they don't see all that often in, in hospitals. They don't see a woman just birthing on all fours and, and making low, deep whale noises, not high screeching noises, and knowing how to relax the jaw, which relaxes the cervix. Again, all these tips in the, in the, in the article about Cole's birth on the blog. So... When I came into my breastfeeding journey with Cole, it was incredible. There was weekly meetings around the corner from my house, beautiful meetings with several volunteers in each meeting. So you got one-on-one -on -one time each time, all your questions answered. I had a phone number for a woman who was available whenever I wanted to talk to her free of charge, Mara Richards, a beautiful woman. Um, and, you know, just an incredible experience. And then toddler breastfeeding groups when he got a bit older, um, which were beautiful to talk to people who were feeding their babies beyond one. And it was amazing. So having had such different experiences, um, I will say that I am fully 100% aware of the difference that it makes to have the right support when you need it. So it's the right thing at the right time with breastfeeding. Incredible, incredibly powerful. Now, we may not always have access to that. So what do we do? We ask other women who have successfully breastfed, don't be shy. A woman who has successfully breastfed would love to tell you. Even a woman who has unsuccessfully breastfed may wish to share their story. And if you have a story you would like to share, please let me know. I would love you to write about it and put it on my blog. It would be great to write some stories like that and publish them because there's a lot of wisdom in our experience. And sometimes we forget because we think we can't talk about it 
Now we've still got to be sensitive. There are some people who are unable to breastfeed, who tried really hard and it was excruciating and awful and difficult. And for those people, we must be very sensitive and compassionate. And my heart goes out to you, not in a pity way, but in a I'm sorry that happened to you way, in a compassionate way. Now, if it's just not for you, and that's fine. Some people, it's just not for them. No worries, good for you. You found what was right for you. I love that. We all have to do what's right for us. So I'm here to say World Breastfeeding Week, protect, share the responsibility to protect the incredible thing that breastfeeding is. I love what it is. And I'm here as a huge advocate. I may yet train as a La Leche volunteer when I get time. I'm quite likely to do that. I think it's an amazing process and I'd love to help more and more women. I just think it's so beneficial for mother and child in so many ways. And if co-sleeping and bed sharing are your thing, look at the Possum Clinic. Anyway, World Breastfeeding Week. What a cool thing. And um, get in touch. Search the hashtag. Do what you do. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk about this with you and share my story. Thank you for listening. Please have a rate, review, share of this podcast in any way you can to spread the word to someone who needs to hear about this. I would love you to do that. Thank you so much. I would be ever so grateful. So bye for now. Lots and lots of love as always. And I shall speak to you very soon.